All right. Well, welcome back to our final message in our Reply All series. How many of you here for last week to hear Pastor JJ bring a word? Bring a word. I was, we were driving back from New Orleans. I was aiming him in my van. Like, get it! Go! Good stuff! And uh, man, just an awesome message. And today we are looking at the number one most requested topic, and that is how to raise kids in today's culture. And so we're going to dive right into that today. And if you got your notes, you can kind of pull those out with you and you can go on version app as well if you want to get the notes there as well. But let me uh, go ahead and survey the audience just real quick. How many of you have a, have a child that's between zero and five? You're raising kids between zero and five? Raise your hand. Oh, some young crowd. Okay. How many of you between six and 12? Six and 12? Raise your hand, six and 12. How many have teenagers, teenagers right now in the house? Okay, how many of your kids are gone, they're out of the house? <laughs> how many of you have a kid in all four stages of that? May God bless you, keep you, <laughs> cause his face to shine upon you. You need a vacation. Um, <laughs> Today's message, uh, I, I, I've really tried very hard to, to cater it to those who, whether you have kids, whether you want to have kids, whether your kids are out of the house, whether your kids have come back home, that's another message. Um, <laughs> it's another message for another time, but uh, no matter what season of life, I've really tried to work really hard to make sure this is a message that applies to, to all of us in here. Grandparents, any grandparents in the house? Come on, any grandparents? Yeah. Come on, how many know grandkids are just, are just God's blessing for you not killing your kids? <laughs> Come on, somebody. And so, hey, I wanted to real quick, actually, I wanted to start the, the service off today um, by showing you the top five things that I wish someone would have told me about becoming a parent. The top five things I wish someone would have told me about becoming a parent. Let me give you number five. That, that we'll top from, the top from number five. Leaving the house is like an act of Congress. <laughs> Come on, how many of you know whoever's saying it's easy like a Sunday morning didn't have kids? All right, number four, number four was, was this, the back seat of your car will look like a food bomb went off. Come on, how many know what that's talking about right there? Number three, right here, uh, your Netflix account will eventually only suggest kid shows. It's just, just how it's going to be, that's going to be. Uh, number two is 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can lie down again. When, when is that day coming? And I love this one. Number four, this is my favorite right here. Mom, uh, while you're in the shower, your kids will bang on the bathroom door like the SWAT team asking for a snack, and dad is in the kitchen. Come on, mamas and ears, that's true. This happens in our house all the time. Lindsay will affirm this. They'll, she'll, they'll ask her, Mom, can I? And she's like, your dad's right beside you, right beside you. So it's uh, top five things I wish. All right, let's get into the Bible today. Proverbs chapter 22 uh, is where we're going to be today. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, it says this, train up. Everybody say train up. Train up a child in the way he should go, in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The whole main objective for parenting is that your children will go. I mean, it's just the truth. I mean, it's the way that it is. As parents, we are stewards, not owners. We are stewards. Nine owners. And uh, how many of you have ever seen uh, Lord of the Rings? You seen Lord, any Lord of the Rings fans in here? Lord of the Rings? And there's a, there's a character on there called Gollum. Y'all know who Gollum is? If you've ever seen him? And Gollum, Gollum's, Gollum wants the ring. He wants the ring. And he calls it something. He calls it, my precious. <laughs> that's what he does. Some of you, that's like you are with your kids. 
my precious. And you just want to hold. But I'm telling you today that the whole purpose of parenting is that your children leave. Amen. Go. Watch what Reggie Joyner. <laughs> watch what Reggie Joyner. I, I love what he said. I read a book that he wrote, and, and I, I copied this. It said, "We're fine if our children never climb a mountain, as long as it guarantees they never get hurt. But what if your children are made for the mountains?" The, the ultimate mission of the family is not to protect your children from all the harm, but to mobilize them for the mission of God. It is possible to hold on to your kids so tightly that we forget that the ultimate goal of parenting is to let go. And I'm telling you right now, this is for all of us in this room to understand, and for those that are joining us even online, that the ultimate goal of parenting is to let them go, to let them go, to release them. The Bible describes children like arrows, that in a young man's hand, he shoots them towards the target that they are to go. Now, with that being said, though, we need to also understand something very important. I'm going to, let me... I'm going to use an illustration with a piece of luggage. So I want you to write this down. I want us to imagine the end. Imagine the end. It's coming. Some of you don't want your children to leave. Some of you can't wait for your children to leave. And some of you, your children came back home. Um, but that's okay. We'll, we'll work through that a little bit. But I want you to hear me today is I think Oftentimes, we are measuring our parenting with the wrong measuring stick. I think for many people, the goal of their parenting is that my kids can just get good grades, which that's good, or that my kids just make some good decisions, which we all hope they do, or that my kids just have good friends, or we can set them up and have a good college career, and those are all good, and those are all important, but it's not the most important. I'm here to tell you that if your children know things, but they don't want know what matters the most, we have failed them. One day, your children are going to pack up, and they're going to leave. And so as I was writing this message, I was beginning to really think through, what are the things, I have three boys myself, 15-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, I'm almost 15-year-old, um, he's 14 now, I've already aged him, you're already moving out. Um, <laughs> And I've been thinking through this process of when that day comes and we pack up their bags, what do I want in the bag? And I'm not just talking about all their junk. I'm talking about what is it just, I want them to just have good grades and I just want them to have good friends or is there something more? Is it that I really want them to love God and that they have character and integrity? And y'all, are y'all with me? And so I, I want to share with you today four Four things that I think all of us in here would agree we want in the bag. When they go and they pull out, what is it that we want them to know? What is that? And, and, and it's going to be huge for us. So if you're taking some notes, I want you to write this first one down. And that is that I want them to know I love them. I want them to know I love them. But I also need them to know that I'm in charge. Okay, let me, let me talk through this. I want them to know that I love them, but I also want them to know that I'm in charge. Watch what Ephesians chapter 6, if you are under the age of 18 in here, I want you to read this with me. All right, here we go. Children, if you want to be wise, listen to your they didn't say that. They didn't say this word with me. All right, it was parents that said this one. Listen to your Parents are looking at their children right now, wondering why they're not saying this. Why are you not, why are you not preaching with Pastor Josh in this one, okay? And do 
What? They, what they tell me to do. Okay. Come on, Joel. I need something here, okay? Do what they tell you. All right. And, and the Lord will help you. The Lord will help you. I, I, want my, I want my children to know I love them, but I also, they also need to know that I am in charge because what they need to realize is that God has put me in charge to help them and to love them. That they're going to understand love by understanding that I am in authority over them. And hopefully, if I am a godly authority, they will know not only that I'm in charge, but that I want the best for them. And this is what scripture tells us is for us to do this. Now, it's important for us to understand that there are four seasons of parenting. Four seasons of parenting. I'm going to tell you right now, if you can understand this, what I'm about to share with you, this will help you tremendously. For those that your kids are grown, some of you are going to wish, I wish I would have heard this 20 years ago. But I want you to walk with me through the four seasons of parenting, and we can see who in the room is in this stage. The first season of parenting is the caretaker. This is those who have children between the ages of zero and three. Who is that in the room? Raise your hand. Caretakers. Yeah, caretakers in here. Um, it is where you meet every single one of their needs. You are feeding them. You are wiping them. You are bathing them. You are doing everything for them. You're providing every single thing for them. They, they cannot survive without you. This is the caretaker stage. This is a very draining stage. Of life. This is, you have no sleep in this stage of life. This is, there's a lot of that goes into, it requires everything of you in this stage of life. This is the caretaker stage. But then you move on. And by the way, of all the four stages, this is the shortest. Because then you move into the next stage, which is the cop stage. Come on, who's in the cop stage? Four to 10-year-olds right here. Okay, yeah. This is where it is like maximum security prison at your home, okay? There is solitary confinement where there needs to be. There is, there is restraints that need to be put in at times. There's a lot of no. There's a, you will eat this. This is what you're eating. Nope, kitchen is closed. You're eating this. This is what you're eating right now. This is when you're going to bed. This is when your curfew is. This is where you'll be. This is who you will talk to. This is who you will not talk to. That is my TV, not yours, okay? This is, come on, how many of you with me on this? Come on, this is the cop stage. This is, this is the stage of your life where everything is about a lot of rules. There's a lot of rules of what goes on. In Proverbs 13, 24, watch this. Proverbs 13, 24, a refusal to correct is a refusal to, to love. And I've heard parents say, man, I just want to love my kids and I just want to be good friends with them. They don't need friends. They need a parent. Amen. They need a parent. They need a parent because I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't parent them now when they're in your home, they will get parented by life in a really bad way when they get out. And so it's our job to bring the correction. To Watch this. Love your children by disciplining them. By disciplining them. By telling them no, not giving them everything they want. You ever had like, how many of you, when, when you were young, you got spanked? You got, you, come on. Anybody? Oh, look at this. Oh, yeah. I didn't even get spanked in my house. I got whooped, okay? I mean, come on, I mean, know what that's talking about. The guy got whooped. And my dad would lean me over his leg. How many got the lean over of the leg? And you got a belt or you got a wooden plank or something, you know? It was something, it was something hard, you know? And he would, he would be whipping me and be like, you know, I'm only doing this because I love you. And you're like, bend over. I want to show you how much I love you, you know? You <laughs> know? And you don't feel like that at that moment. It doesn't feel like love, but they actually are loving you. It's the most loving thing that they can do. It's the most loving thing we can do for our kids. So this season of the, the cop season is a lot of no's. It's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of spanking. It's a, it's a lot of us 
teaching our children that we are in charge. And let me, let me just say this. If your children don't learn to submit under your authority, they won't learn how to submit under God's authority. Because how I many you know God disciplines those whom he loves? That sounds scriptural. How I many you know God will tell you no? How I many you know we can go and look at what we are called to do as parents is to model what Christ does for us. And so as God disciplines us and God tells us no and God shapes us and directs us, this is what we do to our children as well. So there's the cop stage. Okay, then we get to move on. That season comes to an end and we move to the next stage, which is the coach stage. The coach stage is between usually the ages of 11 and 18. This is where we're moving a little bit less away from rules and more and more to into relationship. This is where oftentimes, this is where oftentimes most parents fail it though. Because we stay in the cop stage when we should be in the coaching stage. We're still telling them all the rules and what they can and can't do in the wrong stage. Because as they grow into the teenage years, now it should be less of what I'm telling you to do and more of helping you learn how to make those decisions yourself. It is now we are growing, we're learning, uh, because a cop controls, but a coach directs. A good coach knows their players, understands their strengths and weaknesses, gives them encouragement, helps them learn from their mistakes. Right now, in, in, in Lindsay and I's season of life, we have two in the coaching stage and one in the cop stage, okay? So I, I'm like, I'm two part coach and one part cop right now, what's going on? And I, I find us, because we have older kids now in the coaching stage, I'm doing a lot more coaching. So there's a lot of bigger conversations going on in the belt home right now. Conversations about what does manhood look like? How do you make wise decisions? What does sexuality look like in a very sexualized society? What, how, do we, how do we guard ourselves sexually? How, 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 do we, how do we manage our money? These are all things in the coaching stage you should be hopefully teaching and training and uh, showing your kids. And so you say phrases during this stage like, would you rather do this or this? You choose. Because how many know in the cop stage you go, no, you do this. But in the coaching stage, you're now giving options. And here's why you're giving options. Because once they choose, if it's a bad decision, guess what you get to do after that? Coach them. Why that was possibly a bad decision. Now, we have failed in this season of life. We've done a lot of cop in this season of life and trying to learn how to do more coaching in this season of life. But I'm going to tell you one of the greatest things you can do, one of the greatest phrases you can say to help bring coaching in this is to lean on the Bible. Hey, the Bible says this is how a man is supposed to act. Hey, the Bible says this is what it is to, to, to steward our money. The Bible, how many know we need to lean on the Bible? Let the Bible be the bedrock of what we do in this season. Then we move to the fourth stage, which is consultant. This is age 18 and beyond. The task of parenting is not done at this stage, by the way. Um, it is no longer one of proactive involvement. It's one of patient availability. All right, now I, I want you to hear me very closely on this. A consultant only speaks when they're invited. Is it sitting in yet? For those who are older right now and your kids are older, you are not a cop or a coach anymore. You're a consultant now meaning you only give advice when it's asked for. Meaning that you, 
You got to let them begin to work through their own decision making. How many know this is really, really hard? Anybody, any people in here that have, are in the consultant stage, it's hard. It's hard when you see them being stupid. Can we just be honest here? And you want to save them from stupid, but you don't realize that in trying to save them from stupid, you're taking away the lesson that they should be learning because of their stupidness. So we need to be a consultant. So here's a great phrase. Ready? All those who have 18 years and older, here's, here's a great phrase. I'm here if you need me. Dad, what do I do? Okay, now, oh, you're asking for it? Okay, I'll tell you. Not calling up, do you know what you did? I can't believe you. You should have done this. No, no, no. You're not the cop anymore. Not the coach anymore. You're the consultant. How many of you wish you would have heard this message 10 years ago? <laughs> okay. Watch this. Proverbs 27, 11 says, be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. I think each, each of these seasons have their own unique challenges. I think season four, the consultant's the hardest one. Here's why consult, uh, the consultant is the hardest season, because you actually have to let them go. <laughs> See, the other three, they're in your home, so you can still kind of keep that. But in, in season four, like, you've actually got to release them, and that is, I, uh, I can't imagine. I'm not in that one, but I have pastored and counseled so many young people that their parents are hover parents. You know what a hover parent is? Like the helicopter parent, where you at? What you doing? Where you at? What's going on? What you at? And so I'm telling you right now, I, I, for your 20-somethings and even maybe the 30-somethings, let them invite you in, because counsel that's not asked for is rarely ever received. So you want to be asking for it. Number two is not only do I want them to know I love them. And that I'm in charge. Number two is I want them to know God, but not just a Sunday God, an everyday God. Amen. I want my boys not to just know Sunday, this Sunday, our Savior's church God. I want them to know that God is with them every single day of their life, that they can lean on him, uh, depend on him. Ask him, Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9 says, these people, watch this, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Dear God, may it never be said of people who leave our OSC youth or OSC church and go to college that this is said of them, that they knew how to do things with the lip service, but their hearts were far from him, that they worship me in vain and that their teachings are merely just human rules, that, that we trained our kids how to behave right, but we didn't actually train them how to connect with the Savior. They know the teacher, uh, the teachings, but they don't know the teacher, I, I grew up in a home that, that I went to private school my whole life. My whole life. I never stepped foot in a public school. And I'm so thankful for my parents putting me in private school education. But one of the downfalls to being in private school education is I knew all the right things to say. I knew how to act religious. I knew how to fake it. I knew, I knew how to, to act like I love God, but I really was viewing pornography uh, at night. I, I knew all the things of what to do with the rules and the rituals, but my heart, my heart was far from him. And it wasn't until really my junior year that God got a hold of my heart. And how many know, you don't want your kids to just know God intellectually, you want them to know him relationally. I want my, because here's the truth, if your kids only know God intellectually and not relationally, when they leave you, they'll leave God. 
We want them to connect with God. We want them to have an encounter with God. I also want my kids to understand that, our, that they don't need just a good savior. I mean, just good manners. They need a good savior. And that there are times as a, as a follower of Christ, I don't understand everything about God. Can we just admit that to our children? I don't know everything there is about God. I don't, I don't understand why sometime I'll pray and it just doesn't get answered. Like, I don't understand some of the ways of why God works the way that he works. I, I don't understand. And, and I, I, I don't know about y'all. I don't want to give our kids a shallow faith where they just think, if I just pray it, it's always going to happen. Then they get into the real word and they pray and it doesn't happen. Are y'all with me? We want to give them a deep, driving faith that, hey, even if God doesn't answer the prayers the way that you want them to, God is still working. God still loves you. God is for you. If, you. if you get declined from that college or if you lose that job, it doesn't matter. God is with you. He's for you. He's, come on, I mean, that's the deep, anchored things that we want in our children, not just some superficial faith. And if you don't allow your kids to process their own doubts, they'll never be able to own their own faith. They need to be able to process their own doubts. If you have kids that are like, I don't know if I get all this Jesus stuff, and I, don't, I understand that. And there's a part of that where you just want to get them in environments where they encounter God. I hear people tell me all the time, like, oh, man, I just don't want to drag my kids to church. You know, I, I just don't want to drag them there, and I, I don't want them to hate the church. Well, I can tell you right now, I've never met a kid that was not dragged to church that ever found God. So what is your plan for them to meet God then? I'm so glad my parents drug me to church. Because it was me going to a camp, a youth camp that I did not want to go to, that my dad said, you're in my house, you're going to camp. And I went to camp, and God met with me at the camp, and I'm so thankful that my parents weren't trying to be my friend, but they were trying to be my parent and put me in a place where I could meet God. Are y'all hearing me today? And some of your kids may be like, I don't want to go to camp this summer. You need to go, you in my house, you going to camp this summer. Because I'm telling you right now, you not doing that is not going to put them in a path to meet God anyways. Get them in a place where they can hear God. Well, I don't want them to be mad at me. They'll get over themselves. I believe God big enough that he's going to capture them, even if they come in here and sit in the back row and be like, I don't want to hear this. I believe God will show up right there in the back row and be like, hey, I'm talking to you. Are y'all with me? I hope you're picking up your toes today because I'm coming at it. Because I'm so... I'm so fired up about not the next generation. They are the now generation, and we can't lower the standard. We need to raise it because God has called them to do great things. This is what God is calling us to do as a church is that they would know God. I love what Jeremiah 24, 7, if you have a child that is wayward, that, that is not following God, this is your verse. You ready? This is your verse. God says, I'm going to give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. This is a verse that you can pray and, 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 and begin to really believe that God, how many know God loved your kids more than you? And he's after them. He's after them. Number three, I want my kids to know that I can help them, but that I'm not the only one who can help them. That I can help them, but I am not the only one who can help them. Let me, let me uh, teach you what's called the influence cycle. Here's the influence cycle. The influence cycle is that there are influences right now, no matter what your kids' ages are, whether they're 1 or 19 or 33, 
your kids have influences right now that are speaking into their ear to tell them what to do and how to do it and what to believe and how to believe. In the very beginning stages of your children's lives, the, the main influence is this, is the parent. You're the loudest voice in their life. But when they get to about teenage years, you're not anymore. The, the next one is their peers. Their peers' voices become a lot louder than yours do, which is why we always want to train our children how to choose wise friends. You want to get them around that. Then as they graduate high school and they get into the college and young adult years, then they move into a, a season where professors and other mentors, Hollywood celebrities, they're just looking all over, just trying to find people that can be influencers in their life. But then when it wraps up and they, they grow up, guess what? guess what happens with the cycle? They go back to the parents. <laughs> they realize, okay, mom and dad really actually knew what they were talking about. But I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that if you want to really raise kids in today's culture, you've got to move from a me to a we. I alone can't just raise my kids. How many know it does take a village? It takes other voices. It takes other people speaking into our kids. I am so thankful, so thankful for Andrew and for the team here and for all of our youth leaders that speak into our kids. I, I, I mean, uh, this past week, uh, Ethan, Ethan Reed, a guy that's in our church who's a... Uh, who's, 19, 20 years old, he calls me up and he says, hey, Pastor Josh, can I come pick up Syed on Thursday? School's out. Can I pick him up? Sure, absolutely. Please pick him up. <laughs> and they just go to his house and they go and hang out and they connect and man, he's just, it's a young, I mean, an older guy just investing in my kids. Last Wednesday night, youth was over, Syed calls me and says, hey, can, can Sean Miller come? Sean is one of our, our uh, small group leaders in OSC Youth. Um, he's, he has a single mom, Joni, who's actually here in this service. And, uh, and he came over and spent a long time playing video games with my son. <laughs> I had to text my son, said, it's time for him to go home now. Okay. But I'm so thankful. <laughs> I'm so thankful for these young men who speak into my, my son's lives. And guess what, it's not just my sons that have people doing that. Many of your kids that are in youth and in OSC Kids, right now, over in OSC Kids, over in Quest, there are small group leaders that are speaking into your kids' lives. And our plan has always been as a church to create a place where we just echo what's already going on at home. How many of you have ever had your kids come home and say something, you've been saying it to them for months, but they finally heard it from somebody else and they took it from that other person. You're like, dang, I've been telling you that for three months. What's going on here? But, but you don't say that because you're like, that's some good advice. Mm -hmm. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so I, I, I had the honor this week of interviewing uh, three of our seniors that are graduating and, uh, and got to hear a little of their perspective of, of how did they grow in their faith and what has it been like since they've been here at the church? And so, um, without further ado, I, I want to I introduce you to some of these three incredible seniors that we have. My name is Xavier Franklin. I'm 18 years old, born and raised in Jennings, Louisiana, and I'm a current graduate of Jennings High School. My name is Andrea Janice. I'm 18 years old, and I just graduated from Hathaway. My name is Gavin Beezer. I'm 18, and I just recently graduated high school. I pretty much grew up by myself with just me and my mom and, uh, and my grandma. I have two brothers, Gavin and Joe. 
and I live with my dad and my adopted mom. I live in Jennings. I recently moved here, not but two years ago. I had some uh, some situations that were pretty hard in life, especially what two years ago. I actually ran away by my own choice. It wasn't legally or anything. I just I just left. My parents had me and my two brothers whenever I was really really young. They ended up being divorced. Moved in with my grandparents. My grandma actually thinks that. Uh, I've always had depression ever since I was little. It's just really hard. See, I was part of youth when I was 13. Five had drugged me in. Youth has been pretty much a place where I was. I could feel being myself. I didn't go to church a lot. I actually didn't go to church at all before now. I had met some people. They come here a lot, and so she invited me to come. I came here on Sunday. I felt kind of, felt kind of open, you know. Felt like I, I, I fit in. Whenever I was little, I used to go with my grandmother to Bible studies. It was really nice because they were like my family and I was basically raised here. It was basically my second home. I'm just really grateful for all the people God has put in my life to bless me on this path, to help me remember that I, I'm never going to be alone. I'm never going to be unloved or that Jesus is never going to just leave my heart. If it weren't for OSC, there's a lot of choices that I would have made that could have went a lot worse than they have. You know, if I wouldn't have thought about, you know, if this is what, you know, Jesus would have done or what God would have approved of, which is something I wouldn't normally think of. Just having a godly person there brings the peace of Jesus. A kid looking at an adult is good, but you would once want to be in an environment where there's kids your age. You know, I've had male role models, Jock and Five, and a lot of people who's, uh, who's pretty much guided me and has helped me as far as being a man-wise. But all around, the person I look up to the most, she taught me everything I need to know about God was pretty much my mom and my grandmother. Those two women uh, were, were pretty much the source, the founding foundation of how I got close with God and how he's pretty much transformed me into the person I am today. My grandparents, they have never given up on me. They were always there for me. They let us live there whenever they didn't have to. She's always instilled faith, and I want, I want to be like her so bad for my grandfather. He brought a lot of humor and happiness into the life. Miss Bethany's mom, too, very laid back, and no, and just it shows you that you can always be content in situations. And I feel like if it weren't for him, and if it weren't for his guidance, I wouldn't be in the place I am now. Right now, I'm a leader, a junior high leader for the boys. For me to lose a brother, I always wanted that sibling feeling, that sibling love growing up, and I could never find it. But when I'm with these kids, they give me that older brother feel. I could always, you know, tell them that, I always tell them every single time they are lights and beacons of the world. I know they'll, uh, they have the hope to show it in their schools and in their families and wherever they go. And the fact that I get to be there for them, or I get to be one of those people to be there for them, is really uh, awesome. I will be attending University of Louisiana at Lafayette, uh, majoring in family and child studies to become a social worker. I wanted to help somebody somehow, whether it be nursing or uh, going to the Marines for you know, reserves or activity, depending on what they need. I'm going to LSUE for my first two years, either around August or September. After that, I'm going to try and transfer to either McNeese State or Lamar University in Beaumont for recording arts and sound engineering of music.
and give us a little little free flow. Okay. <gasps> no, but. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, y'all give it up for our kids. Powerful. You know, it's, it's, it's so encouraging because all of those come from different backgrounds, some from single moms, some from parents who weren't in, in church. And come on, you know, God loves your kids. This is the power of the local church, by the way, is that God connects you. How many are thankful that maybe when you didn't have parents that were the right way, God put spiritual parents that were in your kids' lives that could be that into their life? And I, I'm so thankful for our OSC kids and our OSC youth team that does what they do. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said it this way. He said, train up your children in the way they should go, but make sure you go that way yourself. (laughs) That'll preach, huh? That'll also convict. (laughs) And I I don't know about you. I, I know some of you may be in this room right now, and you're hearing this, and you feel a lot of guilt. Because you realize you didn't go the way that you want your kids to go. I'm here to tell you today to tell you that it's never too late. It's never too late. You're never too far. God can still use you to begin to speak. And, I, I, and God loves your kids. Which leads to number four. The fourth and the final thing I, I want packed in this, in this suitcase on the way out. Hey guys, on your way out, I want you to know I love you. I want you to know I love you. I, I want you to know God. Not just a Sunday, God. I want you to know God. I, I also I, I want you to, uh, to know that I can help you. Someone else can help you. And then number four, I want them to make wise choices, but it's okay to mess up. It's okay to mess up. Hebrews chapter 12, I love what it says in verse 11. It says this, Hebrews 12. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. Agreed? (laughs) But afterwards, watch this, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are, now watch this, trained in this way. Remember, we started this message with train up a child in the way it should go and he will not depart from it. There's a training that happens that as we are loving, as we are disciplining, as we are coaching, as we are consulting, as we're going through all of these seasons of life, if we will do it, yes, it's painful in the season that we're in, but it's painful because it's always going to produce a harvest of right living. This is what we want for our kids, that even in the midst of their decision making, that it's okay to mess up. And we hurt our kids when we give them a faith that does not allow them to mess up. We've got to give our kids a faith that understands that there is grace when you mess up. They're going to blow it. How many know, how many of your kids have blown it? Raise your hand. How many of you as parents have blown it? Raise your hand. How many of you at night have sat in your bed and go, I did not get dad of the year award today? <laughs> how many of you have said things that you wish you wouldn't have said Said things at levels you wish you wouldn't have said it. Done things you wish you wouldn't have done. And all of us and parenting have been there. But if there's anything that parenting reveals is that we all need Jesus. Our kids need Jesus. We need Jesus. Everything is revolved around Jesus. And I love that we serve a God that it's okay that you mess up because God uses messed up people. 
Moses had a stuttering issue, and yet God used him to deliver the children of Israel. Gideon had an insecurity issue, and yet God used him for one of the greatest battles. David had one of the greatest failures of killing someone and committing adultery, and yet God said he was a man after God's own heart, one of the greatest kings, and wrote one of the greatest books in the book of Psalms. God uses messed up people, and I'm here today to tell you, you messed up. Welcome to our Savior's Church. We are messed up people, but God uses messed up people for his glory because guess what? We don't get the credit. He gets the credit. He gets the credit for all he's done. How many of you, when your kids were younger, were scared of the dark? Scared of the dark or scared of monsters or scared of different things that were happening. Uh, when we were, when, when, when uh, my youngest son was, was younger, he had, a, he had a fear of E.T. You remember that? He's like, yes. Are you still scared of E.T.? No, he said, no, okay, we have conquered the fear, okay. But it was kind of like, he's like, Dad, E.T.'s, you know, we had to close all the doors, you know, because you can't have any cracks, you know, that's when E.T. walks in, can't walk the cracks. So we, we, uh, we had failed as parents and, and somehow let him watch E.T., and then they, there was a fear of E.T., he was like, E.T., like he's going to come get him. Uh, um, the finger was coming through the door, you know, and, and so we had that for, for a while, and we've gotten over that, but um, I think... Parents have greater fears than our kids do. Here's the greatest monster I think as parents we face, and I'm speaking to myself, it's the not enough monster. The not enough monster. The not enough time, not enough money, not enough wisdom, I don't have enough strength, not enough how am I gonna do this, I'm by myself, not enough. Uh, we constantly go, and, and here's what I've learned, that as my children have gotten older, my not enough monster has grown bigger. It's grown bigger. And I don't know about y'all, I want to be a church that helps parents slay the not enough monster. Because I'm here to deal today to tell you that even though you and I are not not enough to be parents, we serve a God who is more than enough. He is more than enough, and he has qualified you, and he has called you. If he didn't think you couldn't do it, he wouldn't have given you the kids in the first place. Now, you might have thought they were accidents, but they weren't to him. He gave them to you, and I'm here to tell you today to tell you that God is more than enough. No matter what the task is, God has given you everything that you need, and so he is with you when you have broken up the 17th fight of the day. We know it's summer, but you're already ready for school. How many heard I'm bored? Like, I'm going to teach you bored. Okay, so he is with you when your children are in your face and even disrespectful. He is with you when you fall into bed, exhausted, and maybe even having regrets at the end of the day. He is with you. God is more than enough. God is more than enough. God is more than enough. He will grace you. He will give you everything that you need. And I want to end today with Nehemiah. And Nehemiah says it this. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Notice it doesn't say fight with. Fight for. Not fight with, fight for. There's going to be times where we're fighting with, but we're, we're trying to fight for. 
Let's raise up a church of people who are committed to fight for our homes, to fight for our families, to fight for our marriages, to fight for our sons, to fight for our daughters. Can I tell you right now, the enemy is on an all-out assault to get your son, to get your daughter, to get your marriage. And I'm telling you, we've got to take a stake in the the ground and say, we are not going anywhere. We're going to fight for this home. And when all division is going on in the home and it's stressful to the max in your home, you're going to stop and go, no, we're going to fight for this. No, we're not letting stress and worry and fear take over this home. I'm going to fight for this. And every male that is in this room that is a dad or a husband, that is your primary goal as a spiritual lead of your home is to say, no more. Devil, you ain't having your way in this home anymore. You are not whispering lies to my wife anymore and to my kids anymore. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for this marriage. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight because God will give you the victory. God will give you the victory. Greatest responsibility God has given us is to be stewards of these young people so they will go and fulfill the call of God on their life. Would you bow your heads in this place? If you're here in this room or maybe watching online and you just say, you know what, I, I, I just feel like, I feel like not enough. I feel like I, I, I have so much regret or so much guilt or I, I just feel like there's so, so many times I can't do this. If that's you, just being all honest in this room, if that's you, would you just raise your hand up all across this room? I want to pray for every parent in this room that just feels like I, I, I'm just done. I, I don't know what to do. No matter what the age of your child is or maybe even your grandchildren, maybe just in a certain state, if that's you, just raise your hand. Father, right now, I pray over every person every parent, every grandparent, every single mom, single dad. Got to pray over those right now, Lord, that just at times feel like I'm not enough. God, I just don't have enough. God, why thank you, Lord, that we serve a God who is more than enough. And God, that in the areas where we feel like failures is where the areas we experience your strength and grace the most. It's those areas where we depend on you. It is not by might nor by power, but it is by your spirit, it is by your grace, it is by your strength that we can do anything that you have called us to do. And so today, God, we just put another stake in the ground and say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna fight for this relationship. I'm gonna fight for my children. I'm gonna fight for my marriage. I'm gonna fight for my home. I'm going to pray more. I'm gonna believe more. I'm gonna speak the word more. I'm gonna just begin to allow the peace of God to rule and to reign our hearts and minds, God. And we thank you right now. Lord, we pray for every single wayward child right now. Everyone that is not living for you. And I speak Jeremiah over them that you will put a heart in them that knows God. You will call them home with all of their heart. God, this is you. They're your children. And so, God, we pray, Lord, that, that, that lost children would come home, would know you, would find you. God, those who are right now are making decisions that not only hurt the heart of their parents, but break your heart. God, I thank you that you, you love them. And you would begin to draw them. God, may this house be full of wayward sons and daughters coming home. And God, we call them home right now. Right now, as we are in this attitude of prayer, you can put your hands down right there where you are. But if you're here in this place, and you would just be honest, say, Pastor Josh, you know what? One of the main reasons I've really struggled in parenting is because God's not first. 
I, I, I can't train them in the way that you go because the way that I've gone is not the path that really honors God. I haven't surrendered my life to God. The Bible says that the Spirit of God will come in you and empower you, but you have to first surrender your life to Him. You have to turn the reins over. The Bible calls it being born again, that our, our flesh and our soul and our, our body is alive, but our spirit is dead. God today wants to come and he wants to make your spirit alive. God did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And it's as easy as ABC. We just admit that we're sinners. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We believe that Jesus on the cross took your shame, your guilt, your past, your pain. There's no priest, no program, no church. There's nothing that you can do that can earn it. God gives it as his grace, as a free gift of salvation to you. And if you will confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you can be born again today. If that's you in this place, you said, I've never prayed that. I want to have a relationship with God like that. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you just to shoot your hands up and say, Pastor Josh, would you pray for me? I, I, I want that. One, two, three. If that's you, going up all across this room. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hands down right there where you are. And as a church family, we're going to pray this with you. But I want you to pray this with all sincerity of your heart. It's not a prayer that saves you, but it's the posture of your heart as you pray this out to him. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I recognize you're the son of God. You took my shame, my guilt, and my past, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go there. But you rose again to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today I turn from my sin and put my faith in you. God be my Father. Jesus be my Savior. Holy Spirit be my helper. And heaven be my home. In Jesus' name. Amen.